Pat Perdue's Customer Experience Podcast. Delivering great customer experience every time is really, really hard. If it was easy, more companies would be doing it. We all know that ain't happening. That's exactly where this show comes in. Every episode, we take a close look at companies who are getting customer experience right. Whether it's over the phone, over technology such as social media or apps on your smartphone, or in person, there are some companies who are just really good at this. This show looks at what they're doing differently to make their customers love them and introduces us to the people whose job it is to make great customer experience happen. So if delivering exceptional customer experience is part of your business, this is the podcast for you. I'm Pat Perdue, and I'm glad you found us. Welcome back to Pat Perdue's Customer Experience Podcast. This is Episode 7, and I'm Pat Perdue. The past couple of weeks have been really exciting, and I want to share them with you. I've been able to attend two of Canada's premier contact center conferences. The first one is known as GTAC, which takes place annually in the greater Toronto area, hence the GTA part of GTAC. It's considered by many to be one of Canada's most respected contact center events. It's a one-day conference, and it brings out all the premier contact center-focused leaders, from senior executives at Canada's major banks to newer organizations such as Booking.com, who are looking to expand into Canada. So if you're in the customer experience space at all and find yourself in Toronto in November, totally check it out. I'll put their website in the show notes. And last week, I was at a conference called Contact Atlantic, a conference also focused on the contact center industry, but this time dedicated to Atlantic Canada. Atlantic Canada has long been considered a leader in contact centers, both in Canada and globally. It tends to be a destination of choice for contact centers because folks from the East Coast are just so gosh darn nice. It's totally true. So here's an example. I'm walking down Main Street in Moncton, New Brunswick, where the conference was, and I'm thinking maybe I want to cross the street, right? It sort of just crosses my mind. So I, I guess I paused on the sidewalk for a moment and I noticed that all the cars had stopped. They're like after you. If you'd like to cross, go ahead. So they were literally waiting there for me to cross the street. And here's the thing. I don't even remember gesturing that I wanted to cross the street other than coming to a stop. So they were like, hmm, you look like you might want to cross the street. So after you. So anyway, yay for Canada's East Coast. Totally nice. I'll also put the Contact Atlantic website in the show notes. What I especially love about these conferences is that I can meet face-to-face with the folks who are listening to this podcast. Thanks to everyone for your kind words and your emails, by the way. I really appreciate it. Please do keep them coming. A frequent request was that I do an episode summing up what we've covered so far. So here it is. From my guests Afshan, Shep, Jean, Mike, Arlene, and Doug, here's what we've learned over the last six episodes. Plus, along the way, we'll assign you with five actionable takeaways that will help you improve your customer experience. Here we go. What's fascinating about the conversations on this show is that there have been some overarching themes that keep coming up in just about every episode. By far the greatest overarching theme has been the role of senior leadership in an organization to drive an exemplary customer experience. My conversation with Afshan Kinder kicks things off as she describes the importance of modeling, what good looks like, and how the best CEOs and other senior leaders can drive customer experience change. There's a lot of talk about customer centricity, but walking that talk is a different story. Here's Afshan. You know, everyone talks about customer centricity and uh, 
you know, having that kind of culture where the customer's at the center of everything. I see lots of PowerPoint slides around that, but very few people actually walk the talk. And when you actually want to, when you want to walk the talk, that means you have to start with yourself. Are you customer service oriented with your direct reports and the people that you work with on a day-to-day basis? Because that role modeling is where it starts. And then secondly is at the C-suite. They may have a vision, but they don't give time to reinforce it through their words and actions. And if that doesn't happen and they're not consistent around it, again, people then think it's just the flavor of the day. Later in our conversation, I asked Afshan how folks who work in the front line of customer experience can share the true customer experience with the senior leadership team. She shared an activity she's done in the past that puts senior leadership in the shoes of both customer and customer service agent. I'll let Afshan explain it. I created what we called uh, the customer experience game. In this particular case, it was at a bank. I wanted to tell them how painful it was for small business customers to open up an account and what they had to do. And so the actual leader had to be the agent and, uh, and then another one had to be the customer. So they kind of, one got it from uh, the agent point of view, the other one got it from the customer point of view. And we made a simulation of how that would work and what they have to do. And, and it was so eye-opening that we actually got some very good changes made to that process because of it. Really, really interesting story. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like sensitivity training for executives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what I loved about that suggestion is that it's so doable and it sounds like fun. I had a similar approach when I was at the ad agency Draft FCB and also when I was in charge of brand experience at Tommy Hilfiger. I always encourage my clients and senior team to spend time in their brand's contact center and actually sit with the folks who talk to your customers. You'd be amazed at the huge amount of learning you'll get simply by watching. I can assure you, you'll leave with a newfound respect for the folks who not only faithfully represent your brand hundreds of times per day, but also have to navigate tons of complexity in the tools they use. So here's my actionable challenge to you. Open your calendar, find a spot, and schedule yourself time to sit beside a rep in your contact center. For some of us, it might mean getting on a plane. Still, do it. It totally beats listening to a recording. For real learning, nothing compares to actually being there and watching. Here's my next guest, Shep Hyken, echoing that idea with a story that shows how this principle was reflected in one of the largest breweries in the United States. One of my favorite examples, and I wrote about this back in the 1980s, I wrote about Anheuser-Busch would send executives on route, on, on, in the trucks, in the beer trucks, with salespeople so that they can experience what was happening out in the real world instead of their cushy offices at the top of the tower. And I just thought that was great. Once a quarter, they were required to do that. I know of another company that started off very small and they had to have a customer support department. So, you know, they had three people in the company. So each one of them Mm -hmm. took a shift on the customer service. And eventually they realized how powerful this was. And even though today they've got a hundred and some odd people, they make sure that everybody takes a shift at least once a quarter to understand what customers are thinking of the company and how they're reacting to what it is that they do. I think that's very powerful. Shep and I also talked about the idea of amazing customers. Truth is, we don't always have the chance to be the cavalry riding over the hill coming to save that customer relationship. So how do we keep that relationship strong? 
The secret is consistently being just above the competition all the time. Here's Shep. Anybody, when there's a problem, can step up and fix the problem and look like a hero. But day in and day out, can you still be above average all of the time? And that's, uh, and again, I emphasize, it's just a little above average. And I walk into a hotel, and a hotel that's very guest or customer focused, everybody says hello when you walk by. They engage you with eye contact and a head nod and maybe even verbal interaction. Everybody, not some of the people, but that's what they're training their people to do because that's the idea. Amazing companies are consistent, they're predictable, and they're always creating a little bit above average experiences with the opportunity to spike a good one in there when there's an opportunity or a problem or or an issue. So what actionable item can we take from that? Well, consider your business. You might be one of many managers of a frontline team. You might be a CEO of a large organization or the owner of a small company. Regardless, there's learning here. What small things can your team do consistently just a little better than the competition? It can be something as simple as responding to emails within a specific time frame, using customer or guests' names regularly. Since the key element here is consistently, don't make it too daunting of a challenge, just something to set you apart. I'd love to hear what you come up with. Send me an email and let me know. I'll share some examples on the next episode. But what about large organizations? Sure, managers can create a team that excels, but within a large organization, there's a huge amount of complexity if they're really to tackle the customer experience challenge. My next guest, customer experience author and pioneer Jean Bliss, spent time with us talking about her book, Chief Customer Officer 2.0, Required Reading If Your Company Is Embarking on a Customer Experience Initiative. Jean and I got talking about the role of the senior leadership team to drive customer centricity and remove silo thinking. Much like Afshan's response, Jean outlined specifically what senior leadership needs to do to create an environment that fosters a customer experience focus and get rid of those silos. Here's Jean. You know, people will emulate the behavior of the leadership team. Mm -hmm. And I believe very strongly that how a CEO asks for accountability, do they ask first about customers' lives or is it, is it just about outcomes? Are they holding people accountable? Are they holding people accountable to the entire customer journey and requiring that leaders, there's the rest of their C-suite, we collaborate with each other? Have they been very deliberate in understanding the critical focus moments? Or are they a leader that takes every silo presentation as it is and doesn't press to understand or require connection to the rest of the organization? What we're, what mm-hmm. we're seeing, Pat, is the best CEOs are now really a uniter. And if you have a CCO or a CMO mm-hmm. who's taking on the CX role, they help to expand that uniting. Um, but without it, you're, you're delivering a defaulted experience to the customer, which is the outcome of every silo doing work, but doing good work separately. Oh, my word. What a statement. I think if Jean had been holding a mic, she would have just dropped it and walked away. Boom. Mic drop. This message was for CEOs specifically, but there's a lot that we can take away from it. Are we uniting silos or are we in whatever role we play in the company? Are we contributing to a silo mindset by only seeing the customer through the narrow lens of the experience our department provides? 
I asked Jean specifically what frontline leaders themselves can do when they're part of a more complex customer experience initiative within their organization. You know, this notion of starting with customers' lives, I think, is really, really important. The the idea of knowing which part of the experience and which memories you have the opportunity to impact becomes really critical so that as a leader of an operating area, you can guide people toward that, but also give them perspective about how your piece connects to the whole journey for the customer. What happens is operating areas are very good. You know, everybody comes to work every day doing their best work, but it's the myopic nature of staying in the lane of the silo that does a couple things. It's a little demotivating to people because they're executing tasks versus being connected to something greater. And it disconnects for the customer because they expect you to understand and connect to the rest of the experience they're having. Wow, there's a lot to pick up from that statement. And in my own work with companies, I talk to leadership every day from varying levels of management. Many leaders lead a specific function that's a smaller piece of a larger customer experience process. One of the trickier things to do is to give them a sense of their role in the bigger picture. So your key takeaway? Go get Gene's latest book, Chief Customer Officer 2.0, Seriously Required Reading. So what if you're a leader who's in charge of a department? How do you take it upon yourself to expand your view of the customer experience beyond your own silo? It's not easy. My next guest, Mike Aoki, shares some insight. Well, I think one of the keys is to build that regular dialogue and break down the silos that you mentioned. And so having regular meetings, the, the, definitely from the contact center perspective, as a contact center leader, it's vital that you build those connections with other, other departments and build in regularly scheduled weekly, bi-weekly meetings with key p- points in, in terms of other departments that are out there, whether it's IT, marketing, sales, etc. because typically the contact center is the focus or, or, or bears the brunt of any calls that come in due to new sales campaigns, ad campaigns, product problems, recalls, et cetera. And so it's really important to be as proactive as possible as a contact center leader to build those connections so you get the info so you can help prepare your people ahead of time. Also, informally networking within your company, being able to go and find out and build good personal one-on-one relationships with other key people in different departments will really help your department perform well. Notice how Mike's advice suggests that the contact center leader, or any leader for that matter, step out of their department and talk to billing, talk to marketing, talk to anyone to develop a rounded sense of the overall customer experience. Much like Gene was talking about the role of the chief customer officer or even the CEO to be a connector, it's really the role each of us has. But it's not easy for everyone to do that. Mike has some actionable advice for those who are not so inclined to start a conversation with someone they don't already know. Part of it is looking in terms of, especially if you're a shyer person, is look for the friendly faces. Look for the mm-hmm. people you know in a meeting that are more open to talking. Um, something else, too, is, I know this is difficult when it comes to corporate schedules, but arrive at a meeting five minutes early. Just five, that's all, just five. Arrive at a meeting or a conference call mm-hmm. if you're dialing in five minutes early and just chat with whoever's there a few minutes ahead of time. And again, this isn't wasted time. It's actually very precious time. That five minutes early to meeting might be the only time you have to actually ask informal questions or build a relationship one-on-one with somebody and actually do that. But I'll tell you that extra five minutes, even for you know a meeting, one meeting a day, if you can even do five minutes once a day, it'll help you build your network. 
But again, look at it in terms of building relationships and also how can you help other people as well. So it's not just up to the CEO to walk the talk. <laughs> Those behaviors Gene listed, we can all benefit from modeling that behavior. Further in my conversation with Mike, he talks about focusing on helping other people, not just customers, but people in our own company. So being customer-centric and providing great customer experience isn't just about our external customers. Providing great customer experience externally starts by providing great customer experience to our internal customers as well. Oh, and in this next clip, you'll hear Mike reference my Pay It Forward Friday program. That's where Socialicity Media, the organization that produces this podcast and does other stuff, devotes one day per week to providing pro bono work for not-for-profits. Anyway, enough about me. Here's Mike. Well, Pat, I know you talk about pay it forward Fridays and the whole idea about paying it forward, doing something good for someone else, expecting nothing at all in return, knowing that when you put out good in the world, usually good comes back to you, maybe even from someone else, but in some form. And so part of it is just thinking as in your role as a contact center manager, director, etc., what can you do to help other departments? So your key takeaway from Mike's advice, uncover two things you or your department can do to help another department and then go do them. If it's difficult to come up with anything, that's kind of cool, because that means that you get to do some networking, have some conversations, and pretty soon you'll be uncovering opportunities to add value, which I guarantee you will find its way to the customer experience. Up until now, we've featured advisors, speakers, and coaches who have a lot of ideas, great ideas about the customer experience, and that's what makes our next guest, Arlene King, so special. She's really doing this stuff. Not that the others haven't, because all of my guests have at some point ran operations and were accountable to the customer experience. That said, Arlene is driving customer experience initiatives at TELUS, the beloved Canadian telecommunications company, right now, like today. Much of what we've talked about on this program has been around the role of senior leadership. As Afshan put it, you have to walk the talk. Arlene describes what that looks like in real life. One of the key things was it was made a priority at the top. Our CEO, Darren Entwistle, made it clear under no uncertain terms that this was our number one priority. And soon after, a large part of our team members' remuneration was based on shared focused customer metrics. So everybody has a role to play and it's everybody's duty to understand how they impact the customer experience. So as we heard from Arlene, Accountability rested on the senior team as well as other teams to own their understanding of how their role impacted the customer experience and their pay depended on it. Another frequent theme in our customer experience conversations involves understanding the customer journey and planning for that journey. But you can't plan for everything. So what do you do? I loved Arlene's comment about what happens when the planning simply isn't enough, which it never will be and how it comes down to really empowering your people to do the right thing. We have to purposefully design the processes with anticipating our customers' needs as much as possible and then get out of your team members' way. So if you design a great process and our customers have different needs, let your team members bridge the gap if they need to. So I'd say good customer service or a great customer experience depends on consistency, but at the same time, you have to teach your people to be comfortable in the gray. And having more guidelines than rules, to me, uh, really helps. How you teach your 
team members to make decisions and good judgment calls, not how to follow rules. I do think that most organizations don't empower their people because it's scary to give 7,000 people the power to give away money if they need to. So you're thinking about, oh, 7,000 people times so many dollars a day. The numbers can quickly get anyone (laughs) quite scared. But every time, Pat, that we've empowered our people, they've proved us that we've done the right thing. Every single time, every time. Highlighting the benefits of trusting your people to do the right thing, Arlene told one story that touched the hearts of many of our listeners, so I wanted to have a chance to share it again. If our big goal is to make people's lives better, as Jean often talks about, and if we have enough trust to create helpful processes and then get out of the way, really profound things can happen. Here's Arlene. A family member of mine was in the grocery store and heard couple of people that she knew talking and she joined the conversation and the woman was telling the story that her husband had uh, passed away six months ago and the morning that she got a call from the hospital told and was told you know you need to come in it won't be long now of course she you know hung up and the first instinct is I need to get to the hospital and then her next instinct is I need to tell my children and she looked at her phone and noticed she had three minutes left and she has to call her kids and she's wants to get out out the door on the run. So she called Tellus and she got this rep named Alan. I since found out his name and she was obviously distraught. And she said, I just need to call my children right now. I only have three minutes left. Their father is dying. I need to call them. Just, you have my credit card number on file. Just give me some more minutes. And he said, actually, I'm going to give you nationwide calling and texting for the next week so you can take care of your family. And that meant the world to her. And she, here she is in a grocery store six months later telling people about that experience. But more importantly, we helped her at her moment of need. Our team member felt empowered. He didn't have to call a manager, get a special approval, He just did it because he knew it was the right thing to do and improved her life that day on that important moment, which I feel those are the times, you know, that that agent, Alan, if he wasn't trained to make good judgment calls, he probably would have just followed the rules and just done exactly what she asked him to do. Add more minutes Mm -hmm. immediately. Mm -hmm. But he really thought, okay, what does this customer really need this week? That to me, those are the stories that... uh, keep inspiring us to do more on that side and to prove to us that investing in the customer experience is the right thing to do. Alan is an amazing customer service agent. And when the moment came, he knew what he needed to do, was empowered to do it, and he did it. The result was that Alan and TELUS made a real difference in someone's life. The bottom line is that people who work for you have to follow processes. But how many of those processes unintentionally get in the way of providing great customer experience. Your takeaway? Uncover at least one process that has the unintended outcome of making it difficult for your customers to do business with you. How do you do that? Talk to the people who talk to your customers. After all, they're the experts. My last guest to weigh in on today's topic is Doug Sandler. Doug does a ton of work with smaller businesses and focuses his energy on teaching the art of relationship building. 
What I found so interesting about my conversation with Doug is that the principles he talks about 100% echoed the ideas Arlene King was talking about. Here's an example. Arlene mentioned the importance of empowering your employees, but you have to have the right people in the right place first before you can do that. Doug and I talk about hiring the right people. Doug calls them relationship builders. The mistake many companies make is hiring great people and trying to force them into a mold rather than letting them be themselves. I asked Doug how companies can avoid this trap. Oh, and you'll hear Doug mention Mike Aoki, an earlier guest on this show. That's a really great question. And one of the things that we had a chance to talk about, I think you and I were introduced uh, by a guy named Mike Aoki. And uh, you're, you're friends with Mike. And, and I know him through just being a, a, a guest on my show and through some relationship on Twitter. Some of the things that he was talking about were how important it is to have somebody that is um, th- that is able to be trainable, that that can build a relationship with people, that, that uh, it's not just about the script. It is It is all about understanding how relationships are made. And uh, if you focus on just building this script, uh, that's going to be, that's bad. You know, you don't want somebody that's just a script reader. You want somebody that actually has a personality that you can, that you can go so far beyond, um, you know, they're, you're empowering them to make decisions. Hopefully, if you're dealing with a good company and training a uh, your training program is done properly through a company like, my, like Mike's. You're teaching your people, hey, I need you to be able to make decisions. So the people that are able to make decisions are generally the ones that I want on my team. I mean, does that make sense? Absolutely. And as a manager of that team, I don't have to micromanage every decision that they make. I can just trust that they'll make the decision from a place of, of empathy, caring and knowledge and empowerment. And it does. Again, it goes one step further than that as well. It's, you have to have a company that's willing to do that. If you don't have a company that's willing to do that, the problem is that um, you're going to end up having a bunch of script readers. You're never going to be able to delegate responsibility to those people. And all the only thing that they're going to be able to do is pass it up the chain of command. And once it gets a high, to a high enough level, that person's going to be able to make a decision. And by that time, you have a customer that's pretty frustrated on the other end of the phone or the end of, other end of the email chain or whatever it's going to be, but someone that's not exactly feeling the love. And that's what you want your customers to feel all the way through the process. We all know that problems are going to happen. When they do happen, it's how you're going to handle the resolution of the problem that really is going to show the true colors of the organization. It's so interesting how we're all talking about the same thing in different ways. Leadership that leads through example, discourages silo thinking, and holds their executive teams accountable to those same behaviors. Managers who take accountability for their own role in the customer experience and understand their place in the overall customer experience journey. And customer-facing team members who are empowered and trusted enough to do the right thing. It's quite an equation, but it adds up to delivering great customer experience. I gotta say, that's quite the first six episodes. So, what are your key takeaways from today? If you're a senior executive involved in the customer experience, schedule time to visit your contact center and sit with your agents. Number two, uncover what small thing your team can do consistently better than the competition. Not a huge amount better, just enough to make a small difference and then make that change happen. Number three, go get Gene Bliss's book, Chief Customer Officer 2.0. Number four, uncover two things your department can do to help another department, then go do them. Number five, uncover what processes inhibit your customer-facing team members from helping your customers. What processes get in the way? How do you find this out? 
go ask them. Thank you again for listening to Pat Purdue's Customer Experience Podcast. If there's a company or individual you'd like to see featured on the show, hit me up. You can email me at pat at patpurdue.com or send me a tweet. My Twitter handle is simple, at patpurdue. Or follow the show on Twitter for updates. All the contact info is in the show notes. Until next time, here's a thought. By improving customer experience, you really can make a difference in someone's life. I'm glad you joined us. See you next time.